Episode 99 of the Sleeper in the Bus podcast brought to you by Fangraphs. We uh, will be discussing the Tigers and the Twins today. Before we get into that, just a couple of housekeeping notes. Uh, apologies for the sound quality on the last one. I have fixed the issue with my microphone, so it should no longer sound like a speakerphone. So for the commenter who said something on iTunes, I completely agree. It sounded like garbage. Uh, and this one should sound much better, so apologies in advance. Uh, the only other two bits of baseball news before we get into those two teams, Cole Hamels looks like he may miss the month of April now, uh, this whole bicep tendonitis, and we talked about this when we first discussed his injury. He's still not right, uh, so he may be out, so you may want to adjust your pro- your projections accordingly. And secondly, the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays have announced that Marcus Stroman is a serious candidate for the rotation to start the season. And I believe, didn't you draft him in uh, labor, you know? No, I really wanted to. But, uh, I, you know, I saw him in the AFL, and I love Stroman. So, um, you know, the thing that the knock on him is that he's small. But uh, I think that's a long-term consideration. You know, if you... If you think too much about how small a guy is, you trade Scott Casimir in his peak uh, for, you know, what you – with the Mets got. I forget. Zambrano? Ugh. Yes, that's exactly what they got. Uh, so there he is. He may end up being a closer. I mean, to, he is Tom Gordon small, but it is – it's very talented. It's fun to watch him pitch. Paul and I have him in the mixed labor, so we're very excited uh, with that. So that's the bit of news there. And with that, let's dive into the Tigers. Uh, Got to start off on a bad note because we learned yesterday that Andy Dirks is going to miss almost three months of the season after having back surgery. That's a, an issue for Detroit because they were looking at an Andy Dirks, Rajai Davis platoon out in left field. Now that looks like it's going to be a Don Kelly, Rajai Davis platoon. And yuck, Don Kelly does not need that much playing time. Rajai Davis, you have to limit because he's good against lefties. I mean, you put him in there against lefties, he does his thing, but it's just not his. You know, he does not hit right-handed pitching well. You do not want him getting the extra playing time in this situation. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, I mean, it's going to, you know, his his batting average and stuff would get worse um, with more playing time. And in, in terms of real-life baseball, you definitely don't want him to get more playing time. But in terms of fantasy, more playing time means more stolen bases, and you don't really own him for anything else. So, uh, you know, I, I do think this is a positive for him that he would get more playing time in terms of fantasy. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at his splits. He's got his 303 against lefties, 256 against righties, uh, walks more against lefties, walk rate uh, is cut in half against righties, but he does run. That's the thing about him. And I've always said Rajah Davis is habitually underdrafted. I, I can think in the last couple of tout wars, he hasn't gone for more than $4. I mean, he'll either go into reserve rounds or he just sits there. And we're talking about a guy that has stolen – 30 or more bases each of the past five seasons, 40 or or more for the past five seasons. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of value in that. That's still a player that's going to end up giving you $10 to $12 in value, even if everything else he does is empty. And the fact that he is in Detroit, and and one of the things that's come up if we've looked at what's happening in spring training, Brad Ausmus is pushing the pedal on the running game. 
Guys are running, and, and a lot more. Maybe it's just because Jim Leland never put these guys in motion. But one of the things that stood out so far is Brad Osmus is putting the, the pedal to the metal with this running game and letting guys run. Do you see this as, as a harbinger, or is this just spring training? Um, I mean, he's going to be a different guy. Uh, and, you know, for what it's worth, the team is a little different. I mean, by getting Davis, by going and getting Kinsler – uh, by even just by moving um, Cabrera over to first and putting in Castellanos, that they, they basically become a faster team. They've become a more uh, diverse team. They, you know, they're they're a team that can make more contact. They're not as much the three true outcome team that they were in the past. Um, so, you know, it, it might be the fact that they're going to change uh, managers, or it might be the fact that they've changed personnel. But for whatever whatever it is, that this team looks like it's going to run more this year. And that's a good thing. We- I remember a couple of years ago when John Farrell took over the Blue Jays. That's one of the things that stood out to me in spring training was those guys ran a lot. And it did carry over to the regular season. That that first year, when you go back and look at the numbers, when Farrell was the manager with the Blue Jays that first year, their stolen base total went up. Rajah Davis was part of that, obviously, because he was in Toronto. But sometimes when you see managers do this, it, it is something. And I agree, the personnel change with Kinsler, with, with Davis, I think this really enhances Austin Jackson's value. And I look at... Uh, when I reviewed the AL labor results, Austin Jackson had fallen eight dollars from 2013 to 2014. As far as he was, he was a twenty-seven dollar or twenty-six dollar player in that auction two years ago. He was a eighteen dollar one this past year. So if Austin Jackson's being undervalued like that, and he gets in, and, and this running game gets going, I like Austin Jackson even more. I already own Austin Jackson in two leagues. So uh, I'm, I was already banking on this. It's just nice to see this. The other thing that Osmus has done this spring that I'm a big fan of is he has said that he wants Victor Martinez to catch more games. Just get him to five, get him to five games in most leagues. I'm in an ESPN league. You need to have 10 games. Just get him to 10 games. Cause in that ESPN league, I have Mike McHenry and Tyler Flowers as my two catchers. And this is an 18 team mixed league in OPS. I'm dying a catcher. So I really, I have Victor Martinez as my, as my utility guy. I need him to catch. Uh, any concerns about him getting back behind the plate? Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, injury concern. He's injured himself pretty badly in the past. But, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, the this is really hard to bake in uh, to projections. And, and it's really hard to say how much it really affects his value because it hasn't happened yet. Right. And, you know, I think of all the, the different things we hear about Carlos Santana and the things we've heard in the past from different players playing new positions. I remember Jose Molina playing third once. Yeah, um, for the Yankees. <laughs> yeah, spring training. So, no, regular season game. That was a regular that was season a, It was end of August. I, I had tweeted out a picture of that a couple of weeks ago because I was looking at something. as like, Jose Molina, third base, what? And I pulled it up, and it was a blowout against the Red Sox, and there's Jose Molina playing third base. Well, okay, so that doesn't that's not really the same because they didn't really ever plan on it. But um, you know, uh, you know, I've heard um, you know whispers that Buster Posey is going to end up at third. But how much how much should you devalue Buster Posey in the meantime? I mean, it's he's not at third yet, and it may never happen. And you know, Mike Piazza was supposed to be a first baseman for forever. Um, so I, I feel like. Um, 
you know, it's it's something to keep in the back of your mind. It would be really nice when it happens. If it happens, if it happens once or twice early in the season, then then that's when you start to take notice. I think we knew we knew last year that he wasn't going to do this because he was coming off the knee surgery that had caused him to miss all season. Again, all, all we need, some leagues are one game eligibility leagues. I know my, my home leagues are three game eligibility. And, but the guy that's got Victor Martinez is not trading him uh, at all. And then ESPN, if you're an ESPN league, that is a 10 game rule, uh, for them. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Ian Kinsler made some news this week, uh, not in a good way. Uh, Robert Sanchez wrote an article for ESPN.com and, Kinsler said that he wanted the Rangers to lose every game they played, called uh, John Daniels a sleazeball, and is bringing a lot of undue attention or unwanted attention upon himself now. He's trying to bounce back from a, a disappointing year that he blames partly he blamed partly on injury, partly on Elvis Andrus's inability to hit and run effectively, and the Ray Washington put him in motion. I hear a lot of bitching and a lot of whining, but I'm looking at a guy that used to be a top 50 fantasy pick that I don't even want to pick in the top 75. Are are we on the same page with this guy? I think I'm a little bit more positive than you. Um, I, you know, I, I see the things that are, I don't, I'm not like, you know, he's going to be 30, 30 again. Um, and I see the declining power and I know uh, where he sits on the aging curve. Um, but you know, I do think that his true talent right now is is better than 13 homers. Uh, you know, the, the, the what he put together the next last year, and I know that he's moving from a hitter's park to a pitcher's park, but I don't necessarily think that his true talent last year was 13 homers. I mean, he hit career lows in in certain places where um, you know his fly ball rate was a career low. Mm-hmm. That's something he could just hit more fly balls, and and he would just by by the definition of it hit more homers. So um, I I. You know, I have him cautiously penned in for like a 15-15 season. And with the news about running, there's a little bit of extra there. I have him, you know, just around the 50, top 50. Not Maybe not in, maybe not out, somewhere around uh, 50th. So um, I, I have to put together my top 300 for the site um, right now. But um, I think he'll be around 50. You know, I, this, isn't, this isn't great news that uh, he burned bridges uh, like this. But... Um, you know, I believe, you know, Sanchez is a friend of Fangraphs. He's a, he edits um, a lot of our pieces and, and helps us out. Yeah, he's um, the guy that makes us look really good. <laughs> uh, so I, I trust that the reporting was sound. Uh, and I just, I, you know, it doesn't make Kinsler look that great. So, uh, but I, I don't care. You know, fancy players don't care about, uh, you know, what these guys are like uh, around the house. True. All we want them to do is produce. At the same time, we don't want things off the field bleeding into their 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 production on the field. Obviously, the, the three games that these guys play against one another head to head, maybe it's five games that they'll play in Texas, will will be fun. Um, you know, at least it lets Josh Hamilton off the hook. He's now not the most hated ex Ranger. Now that belongs to Kinsler. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, let's uh, stay on the infield and look at Nick Castellanos. Castellanos was drafted as a third baseman, went to the outfield because they thought they were just going to keep Miguel Cabrera at third base, realized maybe that's just not a good idea. They trade fielder, move Cabrera over to first base, bring uh, bring Castellanos back on the infield. And, I mean, he does, He has just a handful of major league bats. But the, the good thing here is is the defense. And when you look at the defense, he's going to be better than Miguel Cabrera just right off the bat. You've got Jose Iglesias, you've got Kinsler, you've got Cabrera. That all of a sudden is a really solid defensive infield. That's obviously going to help these pitchers. We saw how it hurt, uh, especially Doug Fister last year. That's going to help everything. What are your expectations for Castellanos coming into the season? 
it is actually sort of amazing how quickly um, this team changed. I mean, they really did go from slow plotting, station to station, three true outcome, no defense, to uh, plus defense at important positions, younger, athletic, you know, abil- you know, able to run. Um, so, you know, in terms of an offensive team, this is a very, this is going to be a very different team next year, even though the very middle of the lineup, uh, still has its big bopper. So, uh, I just think that's worth mentioning. As for Castellanos, like, you know, the one thing that I don't like about him is that he's sort of been touted as a hit tool guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, everyone says that this is the guy with a plus hit tool. He's, you know, possible 300 hitter type thing down the, down the line and stuff like that. But when I look at his uh, high minor stuff, I don't really see. I, I would love to see a, a plus contact rate uh, paired with power. That's that's something that I see with when I think of a plus hit tool. I think of like a, you know, a thirteen percent strikeout rate with a with a with an ISO over one fifty. Right. That's that's what I think of. You know, I think of a guy who can spray to all fields. I um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, just when I see his, just to for reference, his. Double uh, A strikeout rate is twenty two percent. His his triple A strikeout was seventeen percent. Both are really close to average. Uh, he had uh, below average power in double A and and slightly above average power in triple A. Yeah, I mean he he really right. If you look back at the Florida State League, which is not a good place to hit, and he hit the power obviously wasn't there, but he hit four oh five, really good contact rate. Double A AA and triple A ballparks for the Tigers, both in pitcher leagues, Eastern League, International League. Neither one of those ballparks plays well for hitters. I liked what I saw from a power perspective. I think the AAA numbers last year, 276, 18 home runs. That I like. Let's see what translate at the major league level. You know, Steamer's looking at him as hitting 270 with 11 home runs. You know, for an Oliver, obviously, is a little more uh, aggressive with the 600 plate appearances. And the fans, 12 home runs, 270. I'm more along with the fans. And that's really the steamer and fans are almost on the same page here, but I, I, that's where I'm looking at them. 12 to 15 home runs, 265, 275 average. I'm just really impressed with the, what's going to happen on defense. We look back at the Tigers last year and take away shortstop because Iglesias saved a bunch. And, you know, Peralta was passable, but Iglesias helped a bunch. First base, second base, and third base last year combined to allow 32 defensive runs. They had a minus 32 defensive run save last year uh, with with Fielder, with Infante, and with Cabrera there at first, second, and third. So you'll live with a little bit of Cabrera at first base. He, you know, he, could, he can at least duplicate what Fielder did, if not do better than that. But we should see a positive defensive run save total at second base, at shortstop, and third base this year. And that can only help the D, the pitching staff. Speaking of the pitching yeah, – oh, go ahead. Yeah, if you, if you see um... – the the way that the, it was really translates, and I, and I think you're right. Uh, the Tigers had the third worst uh, batting average on balls in play allowed last year. Yes. So they had a 306 BABIP, um, and uh, there were nine teams that were that were 300 or worse. So if even if you just put them in league average, which is around 297, that's the Cardinals, the Mets, the White Sox, the Giants. Now you're talking about teams where their defense helps them behind them. Uh, teams where their their pitchers generally have better than average uh, BABIPs. And, uh, you know, Fister's gone, but uh, Porcello still puts a lot of balls on the, on the ground. Yes, let's let's uh, talk about the pitching staff. We have we, lo- we lose Fister. Uh, Porcello makes a bump up, and now we get Drew Smiley into the rotation. I don't think we really even need to speak about Verlander, Scherzer, or Sanchez. All three are fantasy studs. I, I, I don't know. You know, we know Verlander and Scherzer. Scherzer's going first. Verlander's going second. A little people have dinged him a little bit because of the uh, – 
uh, oblique injury. Maybe they're just mad at him because he's dating Kate Upton and, and they're not. Uh, but Scherzer's definitely going uh, high. Sanchez, I don't think Sanchez is falling that far in drafts. I want to say he's within the top 15 pitchers is where he's going. Do you have any reservations at all about their three studs? Uh, Sanchez, I do a little bit. Uh, I dinged him in my IP projection because the only thing that uh, projects future uh, pitching injury better, uh, best, the best, the best way to predict future pitching injury is past pitching injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sanchez had labrum surgery, and then last year his, he, he hit the DL for shoulder, um, for shoulder tenderness. So, um, any, he's the, he's basically the big shining light for labrum slap, slap labrum surgery. And, um, and there are very, very few success stories like his. So, um, not that I'm super pessimistic, but I think that he deserves to have his innings pitched reduced a little bit and projections. And I think that, um, I think he's a little overdrafted this year and I might not, might not end up with him. He is, he is, he is the 15th pitcher in ADP. He's currently 79th off the board. Yeah, uh, just ahead of Jordan Zimmerman, Michael Walker, and Garrett Cole. I, I think that's, that's accurately ranked. Um, the fact that he's able to come back from the slap uh, makes me hate him because I've had two of those suckers, and I can barely throw a baseball these days. So I, I'm insanely jealous of the guy. But when you look, one of the things that really stands out to me with Sanchez last year, you know, you mentioned a little bit of reduction. He missed the three starts. He ended up making 29 starts. His strikeout rate went from 20.4 to 27.1% last year. That's a big jump. The batting average and balls in play was almost identical to the season before. But the swing and miss, he added a lot more swing and miss in his game, and that's an encouraging sign uh, for me. But you, but you know but you know how he did it. He, he stopped throwing his fastball, and he started throwing his junk more. So um, I, know, I know that that's, uh, that's a way that pitchers do it. But I also think that um, – you know, I think that off-speed breakers, stuff like that, are, are a little bit more stressful on the arm. So that's the, that. I, you know, I, I am happy about that. You know, strike strike uh, strike out increase, but I'm also mm-hmm. worried about how he got there um, a little bit. I mean, it, it's it's hypocritical of me to say I like Ubaldo Jimenez because he started throwing the split finger and that's how he got his strikeouts back, um, and then to to hold it against Anibal Sanchez, I guess. But um, you know, there, it's, it's not, it's not the way that a, a pitcher in his peak and in, in his prime health wise is acts. I think it's more, I think it's more appropriate for a post peak pitcher, which is what Animal Sanchez is. And that's, that's the only reason I'm drafting a little bit later. All right. Well, speaking of throwing more junk, that, that really applies to Rick Porcello too. He's much younger. He's, he, believe it or not, he's only 25 years old. It seems like he's been around quite some time, but Porcello, you know, he went to throwing more curveballs last year. About May 1st, he said, you know what? This other stuff's not working for me because he got bombed in the month of April. I mean, if people don't remember what his numbers were in the month of April, he made five starts in April, 884 ERA, 171 whip, eight strikeouts and five walks and 19 in the third while allowing 28 hits. Just, get, you know, absolutely destroyed. Then you go and you see once he made the switch over and said, okay, that's not working. Let's go to a different plan. The rest of the season, he was 12 and six with a 3.77 ERA, a 1.23 WHIP, struck out 134 in 158 innings while allowing 157 hits. So it was a complete switch. You know, the issue is he still is not that great against lefties. He's really good against righties, but he still does have some pronounced platoon splits. When you look at how that breaks down, if we take that same May 1st on versus righties. 215 batting average, 529 OPS, struck out 26% of them. Versus lefties, 304 batting average, 
833 OPS, struck out 16%. So we still have a need for another pitch to get lefties out. But there's a lot of helium behind Porcello. I own him in a few leagues. I actually just traded him in a home league to address some other issues. But I see Porcello making his way up some boards. Uh, are you on the Porcello train? Yeah, I, uh, I had Pujols and Napoli uh, in score sheet. And since Napoli couldn't catch for anymore, I, I traded uh, Napoli for, for Porcello and feel pretty good about it. I needed pitching. Um, and, and I'm actually a little bit disappointed to hear those numbers. Um, although some of those, you know, they can be bad influenced and, and, uh, and at least it's, it's in a half season. So it's not the biggest sample, but, um, I'm looking at the per pitch numbers and uh, I did split off the, the curve against left handers and it gets average whiffs and 60% ground balls. So I do think it gives him a good weapon that along with his changeup, which gets average whiffs. Um, and, uh, and not a ton of ground balls. That gives him two different ways to attack lefties, I think. Um, and, uh, and I think that was a big deal for him. I mean, when I talked to him about that curveball, he said, you know, the curve was a big deal and he, he didn't like his approach against lefties and that he was pretty happy about, about, um, establishing that curveball. So, um, you know, that along with the, the infield defense, I hesitate to push it too far because if you look at his his pitches, there's no real elite pitch. Um, they're all sort of average. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess the closest you get to elite is a sinker, um, which gets uh, almost 70% uh, ground balls, it looks like. Um, so the sinker is really good. But, you know, that's not a great thing for fantasy because we like the strikeouts. Um, so I would say that I think his upside is to be an above-average fantasy pitcher. Uh, not a you know a number one or number two. Uh, his, he's currently I think there's a lot of profit in him still. His ADP is 284 right now. He's being drafted behind Ian Kennedy, Jake Peavy, John Lackey, and uh, Yovani Garo is slightly in front of him. He's going ahead of Jose Quintana, the the still unemployed Urban Santana, and Ivan Nova. So he's being pushed down there. I like him. If I'm looking at the if I'm looking at ADP right now and I see Rick Porcello at 285. I'll take him over Alex Wood at 264. I'll take him over, you know, that's guys. I think he's being about, he's being underdrafted by two rounds, in my opinion. I think he's a top 250 player when the season's all said and done. He's being drafted at 285. Yeah, I think, I think he's definitely, I mean, I like something about Nova. He's out of that curve. Um, and in some ways, he's in the right group of pitchers, but the ADP itself seems off. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, I, I like Nova and Porcello a little bit better than those numbers, um, and I and I would definitely draft them late in the draft. So he, I think he's one of those perfect guys that you draft to be your fifth pitcher that ends up being your third best pitcher and uh, giving you meat and potatoes in the middle of your fantasy lineup. I think it's a good call. Let's look at Drew Smiley. Drew Smiley's ADP is two eighteen. He's going way ahead of of Porcello. When you look at Smiley. We have the numbers out of relief, and they were good. I mean, we look at his career numbers so far. He's held batters to a two thirty five average, has struck out 24% of the batters he's faced. His bad bit has been sub-300, even with that bad defense behind him. Walk rate's been strong. Uh, has not really – he had a problem with home runs in 2012, but in 2013 out of relief was very stingy with home runs. Uh, overall, his splits aren't terribly bad. We're looking at you know, against lefties, holds him to a 206 average, strikes out 29% of them, holds his own against righties with a 252 average, striking out 22%. Is there that much of a difference between these two pitchers to have six uh, a 70 ADP gap? Um, 
<clears throat> no, actually, I think there's a little bit more worry about Smiley than people um, are admitting. Uh, for one, uh, he's got to have an innings limit. I mean, it's it, it would be kind of irresponsible for them to jump him from 70 to 200 in one year, I think. Agreed. Uh, and I know that, you know, the, the, when you have a prospect coming up, there's a kind of general rule of thumb, which is the 20% rule. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of like whatever they had last year plus 20%. So if they had 140, you can bump them up, you know, 28 or whatever and give them up almost 170. Uh, you can't quite do that with Smiley because A, he's, he, he's pitched fuller, um, seasons in the past and B, 20% on top of 70 is, is not enough, <laughs> not enough to, you know, slot him into your rotation even. So I think he might be able to double it and, and, and pitch about 140. Maybe they find some way to, to, to give him a blister for, uh, you know, a couple weeks off. Um, but, um, you know, I can't, I can't put him into 200 innings. And then otherwise, in just in terms of, uh, platoon splits and, 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 and arsenal, uh, he didn't throw the changeup like very much at all last year. And the changeup, you know, is a thing that he basically only throws against right handers anyway. Right. He's thrown 69 of 83 all, of all time against righties. And, it's not a good pitch, uh, or it hasn't been in the past. So it would have be- benefited him to be working on it. Um, and let's say he doesn't have a changeup. Then he's a, a four-seamer, slider, cutter guy. Um, that might be okay because a slider uh, is good against both sides, but sliders and cutters um, have the same horizontal action. Um, so, you know he could be a platoon sweet guy and as a lefty that's a problem mm-hmm. so the thing that's, that helps him i think is that the cutter has a lot of vertical drop for a cutter and vertical i think vertical drop has less platoon problems than horizontal yes. because it's not into a bat so basically i think against righties uh he'll use the cutter a little bit more and he'll use the cutter's vertical drop like a mini curveball and you use the slider as the side to side pitch and he'll be able to change angles enough that he'll be pretty good. But to be excellent, I would love to see something breaking in a different direction. I mean, he basically doesn't have anything that that um, that goes arm side, um, and you know, and he's a lefty. So that means if anything goes wrong with him, it could go pretty pretty badly wrong. <laughs> it could. Now I mentioned earlier a two seventeen ADP. I'm going to name some of the pitchers below him and just tell me yes or no, you would take Smiley over them. Mark, uh, let's see, Marco Estrada. I think I'd rather have Estrada. Chris Archer. Mm. That one's tough. I think I might take Smiley just because the results have been better so far, and I know that Archer uh, has some platoon split problems of his own. A.J. Griffin. I'd take Griffin. A.J. Burnett. Smiley. And finally, Ubaldo Jimenez. Smiley. Okay, so that's where that's where everybody sits. We have some questions off Twitter. One I'll bring up here. Who's more likely to steal 30 bases with the Tigers, Ian Kinsler or Austin Jackson? What about Ian Kinsler versus Austin, Austin Jackson? 30, who's more likely to steal 30 bases, Kinsler or Austin Jackson? Oh, God, I want to say neither. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I agree. I, I think that I think that Jacks don't have the higher total, but I don't think either steals thirty. I think that's uh, the only guy who's going to steal thirty on this team is Raja Davis, um, and, and that's where I sit with him. Um, that's what that's it with the Tigers. Let's jump over to the Twins, and right off the bat, 
cross Miguel Sano off your draft list, uh, there's no chance of him coming up because he's having Tommy John surgery. Uh, a lot of people were complaining on Twitter that they knew about this in November. They should have had the surgery in November. Uh, I just w- reminded people that surgery is never the first option. It should be your last option. If you can get away without get, having the surgery done, don't have the surgery done. And, and so he's having the surgery. He's going to be out. There should be no concerns here, except it's just going to accelerate the move from third base to first base. That, you know, I think that that was a given anyhow. Uh, at some point here, maybe he's got to come up in DH, but uh, he's not going to be able to play third base. The, the throwing arm just won't be the same uh, for him. Uh, a related question, I keep getting asked about Byron Buxton. You know, should I spend a dollar on him in a mixed league? My my gut reaction is no. I don't think Byron Buxton's going to come up this year. If, if he comes up, maybe he comes up at the, at, after the rosters expand in September. But is he going to play enough to make a difference? I don't want to waste a roster spot and just sit on them all year. If it's a keeper league, it's a different thing. But if I'm in a reset league, I think it's a wasted pick. Yeah, I mean, I think the things that I look at in these situations, and, and I, don't know, I don't know that this has been backed up by research, but I looked at I look at how good the the team is and how many uh, at bats the the player has above above double A or double A or above. And in this case, I think the Twins are going to be bad. And uh, Buxton has no at-bats above double-A. So um, even though he went to the fall league, he, he didn't uh, perform spectacularly in a small sample. I'm not really saying that the AFL matters. What I'm saying is that he uh, doesn't – there's no reason for the Twins to pull him up right now. So maybe if, like, everything broke right for the Twins. But I can't even see it with that pitching staff. Um, so I, I, I think that the guys um, – the, the interesting rookies for the Twins are guys who are going to come up definitely after July, um, which is kind of the Super 2 deadline, mm-hmm. and most likely in September. Now let's talk about two of those guys who may come up. If Bucks is not going to be it, I mean, to me, I think the moves are going to come on the pitching side. We talked about one guy briefly during your labor, and that was Alex Meyer. And then we also have Kyle Gibson. Meyer's the healthier of the two. You know, We talked about him. We really don't need to rehash him. Kyle Gibson – was you know got a late start to the season after recovering from Tommy John surgery looked good down in Triple A uh, got beat around a little bit at the major league level his first time around that's to be expected we talked about the seeing Strom in the AFL I saw Gibson in the AFL pre injury and really liked what I had seen now he's back is it time to buy back into Kyle Gibson and wait for him to come back up or is it still is he still in the wait and see mode. No, I think Gibson is is a is a is a great pick. Um, maybe deeply deeper league pick. Um, but I think even you know he, he's fringe uh, final final like bench slot in in deeper mixed leagues. Um, because when I look at his per pitch stuff, first of all, when you watch him, it's fastball slider, and that's those are the, t- the things that stick out, and that's fine. But um, when you compare him to other fastball slider guys, his changeup st- stands up. Um, I mean, for example, he's only thrown 131 of them, but the, a 19% whiff rate, that means people are missing on his changeup. Uh, and, uh, I think that, I think that gives me hope for him to actually have the arsenal he needs to, to su- succeed. And he, he, he has been better, uh, post, uh, surgery. So, um, you know, there was, there's definitely been reasons to, to like what he's doing. Um, and it's a pitcher's park, uh, especially in the early going. And they need him. So I, I think uh, – I actually do think Gibson and Meyer uh, are way more um, interesting this year in terms of uh, innings pitched. And um, and uh, I, I'm really excited about both of them, really. 
Let, I mean, I think there's definitely some room for him. You look at Kevin Correa, you look at Mike Pelfrey, I mean, you look at some of the back-end guys there, and th- there may be some opportunities there because health has been an issue there as well. They added two new names in the offseason, Ricky Nolasco and Phil Hughes. Of the, I mean, I've been an Alaska fan for a while. I don't know. It's an unnatural love for whatever reason. That guy really helped me. It, once once the guy helps you all in a league, you kind of are married to him for a while, and he helped me. I traded for him in 2009. Or 2008 in AL Tower and NL Towers. I picked him up for nothing. Uh, some guy was looking for saves, uh, and I needed a. I had a closer, uh, Manny Acosta, had saved two games for the Braves. I flipped Acosta, picked up Nolasco before he had made one start, and I finished second place in that league because Nolasco was unreal once he came off the once he came off the disabled list. Uh, so with Nolasco. You know, I, I like the move there, but Hughes is the one that intrigues me. When I look at Hughes, it's impossible to talk about Phil Hughes and not look at his home road splits. Over the past five years, pitching in Yankee Stadium, 482 ERA, 134 whip, had allowed 71 of his 101 home runs there. His strikeout rate was the same. His walk rate was the same on the road. The home runs were a huge difference. On the road, three, 399 ERA, 127 whip, 30 home runs. Again, everything else held up, but his home run, his home run per nine inning ratio was double at home what it was on the road. That's why I'm excited moving him to the AL Central out of the, out of those run environments. It, we saw what happened with Jimenez when he moved in the AL Central and saw what happened with him. Is there any, can, can Hughes get back to where people thought he was going to be a couple of years ago with this switch? Um, I guess there's, there's a couple of different things like pushing me in different directions. I mean, uh, for one, he made a big change to his, his arsenal last year. Um, he, he basically, he didn't quite scrap the curve, but the, the curveball that was like the, you know, the Phil Hughes curveball, he went away from that and used the slider twice as much, uh, almost three times as much. So he pretty much, uh, scrapped the curveball for, uh, a slider. And, uh, I, I would be happy about that. Um, except that the slider was, Average at best. I mean, it's it's pretty close to not average, but I, I, I'll give it average. Uh, so he has an average slider and a slightly above average four seam, and every other pitch is terrible. Well, I mean, on that note, uh, I'm waiting for my site to pull it up, but Phil Hughes is adding a cutter this year. He's on that list of guys adding new pitches, and what I remember reading about this, for some reason the link that I have for it's not coming up, but he was going to scrap that. He was going to scrap using that slider and go to a cutter because he realized the slider just wasn't working for him. He had told Rhett Bollinger, that's the story. He said he, uh, Rhett Bollinger reported back on uh, February 27th, Phil Hughes said he's scrapping his slider this year. We'll use a cutter and a curveball instead. Yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> I, it doesn't sound, I mean, does this, I understand the, the the splits, and I and I think that the the home park will help him a lot. But this doesn't sound like what you want to hear out of your pitcher, is it? Does it? I like guys that are if they're going to scrap a pitch. I'm a fan of adding the cutter, especially when you can use both sides of the plate and backdoor it. I really do think a lot of his trouble was just was shell shock from pitching at home. Target Field's going to help absorb some of that. I think Phil Hughes presents a nice bargain in a lot of leagues. I know in my home league, I have him for $7. He's somebody that I traded for at that price because I think there was some profit there. Uh, I think he, if everything breaks right for him, I think he's a $10 plus pitcher. And, and this is the AL league I'm talking about, but that's where I, I see him at. His Right now, his ADP is 399 He's going behind 
Wei Ying Chen, Jorge De La Rosa, the Orioles version of Miguel Gonzalez. He's going 12 picks behind Jaime Garcia and his bad shoulder. And that's where he, he's waiting. He's 109th in the starting pitcher list. I'll be grabbing Phil Hughes in as many leagues as possible if he's going to be down there. Yeah, that's okay. So, I mean, I like him better than those names because I really don't like any of those names. Uh, Jaime Garcia um, was the first name that I sort of paused. But, yes, I know that the shoulder news is not good news, um, even if it's not surgery again. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a craptacular group of pitchers. And um, I don't think Phil Hughes is quite the disaster piece of some of those. So I'll, I'll, I'll take him over those guys. Yeah, Nolasco, Nolasco's ADP right now is 317. So he's up there. Uh, you know, when you look at some of his numbers last year, people will point at some of the gains that he made last year. Obviously, some of that's going to happen from pitching in the National League and facing pitchers. But his strikeout rate went from 15 to 19.8 percent last year, held the walk rate, held the home run rate, everything else, all of his other skills held in line. He just he struck out more. Some of that's going to be attributed to the National League and, and pay, facing those lineups. But, you know, some of that to, to jump your strikeout rate nearly five full percentage points isn't just facing pitchers. He was able to, you know, the defense behind him helped him out a lot because he had a career best whip. And again, his walk rate didn't change at all. Um, so that's one of the things. His swing and miss went way up. This is a guy whose swing and miss rate had been right at 20%. The previous two seasons was 24.7 last year. So he's getting more action on that. Again, I already had love for the guy. Not gonna, the ballpark only made that worse, uh, in my mind for, for me. Where are you viewing Alaska? Um, I, I like him actually. I mean, you know, I, I can't help but look at the perch pitch stuff and the slider is, uh, excellent and the split finger is above average excellent. The slow curve is right on the money, uh, at least an average one. He, he's kind of strikes me a little bit as a bad fastball guy. Um, it's only 90 miles an hour. It doesn't have a ton of movement. Uh, it doesn't get whiffs and, you know, uh, I'm trying to sort of develop a, a per pitch sort of expected strikeout metric where I look at the, the pitcher's different pitch uh, whiff rates mm-hmm. and, and come up with an expected strikeout rate that way. Um, and I'm just a little bit worried that this analysis that I do on the per pitch level uh, favors guys with bad fastballs. And they, you know, you have to still throw the fastball 50% of the time or so. Um, so the one thing I would say with some of these guys like Estrada, um, and G and, and Erasmo Ramirez, some of these guys where the per pitch stuff looks interesting and they look like they have good stuff, they have bad fastballs. Um, and I think that that's when, when Lasco was going badly at times, uh, people just sat on his fastball. So if he's found a good mix where they aren't ready for his fastball, he's, for example, last year he threw the fastball about 40% of the time, um, which is sort of rare for a pitcher, uh, for a starting pitcher to throw it less than, than half the time. If if uh, he's comfortable with that, if his arm holds up to throwing all that junk, and and batters are you know can't sit on the on those fastballs, and he's come up with a good way to sequence, um, then I think uh, he'll be good. But you know, I can't. I don't want to overrate the park factor because he was pretty bad in in Florida some years. Yes, he definitely was uh, down there. So. Uh, both, I mean, again, both guys was eight. Their ADP is three fifteen or lower, so there could be some nice uh, end game profit there. If we look at the offensive side, this is where this team kind of puzzles me. You know, we have Joe Maurer going from catcher to first base, which is great for this year because he maintains his catcher eligibility. In theory, he should be healthier, and he's going to get more plate appearances. So his, his impact for his batting average should help your team. The downside of this is 
moving him from catcher didn't open up all these plate appearances for Yosemiel Pinto, uh, who could have some of the best raw power on that team uh, at, the, at the upper levels this year. You know, right now they're going to give it to Kurt Suzuki. They've got all these new pitchers. They want the veteran catcher to work with these guys. So Yosemiel Pinto may start the season in AAA. That's, you know, that was the, the last word. So don't, you know, I, I like this kid a lot. I think he's got a bright future. He really impressed me with what happened last year when he came up. But he may start the season in AAA, and that will be a, a disappointing thing. But when you look at the rest of this offense, is there anybody that you could really bank on outside of Maurer? I mean, I, I like Brian Dozier. Yeah, he's a batting average hit, but he helps in steals. He helps in home runs. He can drive and run, score. The batting average takes a hit. But when I look at the rest of this lineup, you know, I, I don't, I'm not very excited about any of these guys outside of Maurer. Uh, well, I put uh, Brian Dozier on my um, I put Brian Dozier on my on my AL labor squad. We talked about him a little bit. There's obvious uh, infield fly problems. A little bit worse strikeout rate than someone with his skill set should have. Um, but um, you know, he's talking this spring about being more aggressive, and I think that'll s- serve him really well because um, if he swung more, he could take advantage of his good contact rates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I actually think Brian Dozier, as long as you have a middle infield slot, I, I think he's a mixed leaguer and I think there's something there. I mean, even if he regresses in the power department and, and hits, you know, 11, 12, 13 homers, if he pairs that with 15, 16, 17, um, steals, that's, that's still a mixed leaguer, um, you know, at MI. So, um, I, I actually, uh, have some hope for Brian Dozier, uh, Joe Maurer, you know, just a batting average first, first baseman. Pinto, I mean, I just think that eventually they'll realize the error of their ways. I mean, you know, uh, Kurt Suzuki, no one's been excited about him for some time. Right. So I think maybe it'll work for a little bit. But then if they do anything at all to surprise, Pinto is the first name that comes up, I think. Either Pinto or one of the pitchers. Uh, if one of the pitchers isn't. I think maybe Gibson makes it out of spring training. Uh, and then Pinto is the first uh, minor leaguer that gets called up if he starts in the minors. Um, and then and then they're all waiting on Meyer and Buck. Yeah, well, I mean, it just it, it has a station to station feel to this team. I mean, you've got Willingham who's got twenty homer potential. You've got Arcia who's got some pop. Dozier's got pop. Plouffe's got pop. They're trying to. They're hoping zombie version of Jason Kubel can take this DH. I don't know what to make of Kubel. I mean, thirty home runs two years ago was garbage last year. The Twins get him on a, on a non-roster invitee signing, but it looks like he's going to be their DH, the way things are, are headed uh, with the club. It's, it definitely has a weird feel to it. Moving off baseball, because that's pretty much all the baseball we have, the other question we have off Twitter that came in, which one of these states is the better beer state, Michigan or Minnesota? Ha! Uh, I think that, uh, that Michigan's hard to beat. It's uh, it's one of the best uh, beer states in the country, actually, with uh, some of the, the stuff they've got going on up there. I feel like um, Minnesota uh, has Surly, um, which people uh, really like. But um, I'm calling up uh, I'm calling up our brewery leaderboards on beer graphs right now. And uh, Founders is number one in the region. Yes. Uh, followed by Bell's uh, before you get to a Minnesota one. And then Surly is seventh in the region, but right after it is Kuninen, Kunin, Kunin in uh, Michigan and Shorts in Michigan. So, you know, we're in the top ten in the region, and Michigan has five of them, and Minnesota has one. So I think that's a, a, a pretty big win. 
Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, I've been to a few places. I was a big – the summit, I, I actually flew on one of my trips to Minnesota. I flew next to one of the guys uh, that works for Summit, gave me, a, gave me a nice card to come by, so I was able to check out some of their stuff. That was good, but I'm a big fan of, of the stuff that rolls out of Michigan. And uh, I've had some – the founders of their Kentucky breakfast stout. I like that. I had that recently. Big fan of that. And obviously Two-Hearted is a nice one to fall back on. But yeah, I agree with you. This is this is a, a Michigan Michigan wins the beer battle between these two states. Uh, we had to cut it short on time because we're both we both have a commitments here in about three minutes, so that's why this one's a bit shorter. Episode 100 will record next Tuesday. That will be the Yankees and White Sox, and that will wrap up the team previews. And we will get into general fantasy baseball information moving forward. May even add a third episode each week uh, as we get to the regular season there coming up. So if you do have any questions about the Yankees or the White Sox. Or if we did not cover somebody from Detroit or Minnesota that you wanted us to talk about, please use the comment section uh, and we will interact with you there. Thanks again for those of you guys that left feedback uh, on the iTunes. Good and bad. We, we read it, we uh, absorb it, and we do what we can with it. So hopefully the sound of this one's better. And we will talk to you guys next week. Have a good weekend. Thanks for listening.